Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, May 21st, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from Ephesians 5, 1 through 17, a message titled, A Family in God's Will. Made the family. Family is his idea. But if a family does not operate according to the guidelines and standards and principles that God has laid out in his word, family will not operate correctly. Instead of being a blessing, they will know a curse. And so it's so important that each family and each family member know God's will and knows what he expects from them, and then they're seeking to do that in their daily lives. Now, as I share this message this morning, I particularly have the graduates in mind because these guys have earned the right now to go off on their own. Not too far away yet. You know, they still got some growing up to do. But you've earned that right, and now you're going off, and uh, you've got some freedom now. And decisions are going to be up to you. Now, you don't need to stop remembering what your parents and others have shared with you. You need to remember that wise counsel that's been poured into your life. And here's what's most important. You do not need to forget what God has taught you and what God has said to you. Uh, Freedom is not freedom to do what you want. It's freedom to do what you ought. And God has given us all that freedom to hear his word, to know his truth, and then to live through his power, his way. And as we do that, life is a blessing Life is full and abundant, and it's worth living. And so today, we're going to talk about how to know God's will. Key verse in Ephesians chapter 5 speaks about this. Key verse is verse 17, where it says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now that can be the, the hard part. How do we know what God's will for us is day by day? and all the personal decisions that we have to make. God knows what's right, but we don't. And so it'd be nice, I know all of us would love to have it this way, if God would somehow put his will up as a PowerPoint slide for us. And it says what, where, and when, you know, we just see it. It'd be nice if it was that way, but it's not that way. God has reasons for that. But God's will is something more like a process. And they find a process here in Ephesians chapter 5. There's actually a five-step process for getting to verse 17, getting to understanding what the Lord's will is for our personal lives. Okay? And so let me walk you through the chapter. Let's walk through this five-step process. And let's notice how we can get to God's will. Number one is that you need to take a walk with God. Verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God 
for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator or unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. So this first section of scripture is talking about taking a walk in life with God. Verse 2 uses that word, walk, walk in love. Verse 1 says, be imitators of God. How are you walking? You're walking in his footsteps. You're walking like a child follows a dear parent. Walking in God's footsteps all of your life. That is the first step. Now what we're going to see here is that this process really is about us becoming something first before we know something in our life as it, it pertains to God's will. Verse 1 says, be. So what God is teaching us here is that first he is going to make us something, make us someone before he really reveals his will to us in some specific things. He wants you to be someone before you know something. And that's a process. And it takes time for that to unfold. The first step is you take a walk with God. Those who study human life say that in an average lifetime, we take enough steps, we walk enough to encircle the earth almost two times before it's all over. No wonder we're tired and wore out at the end of our lives. But life is so much about taking a walk, going here and there. And the Bible shows us that when God created mankind, he began to walk with mankind in the garden. God wants to walk with you students. He wants to go on the college campuses with you. He wants to follow you throughout life. He wants to spend time with you. And you need to decide that you're going to take a walk with God in your life if you're ever going to arrive at his will. It begins with this walk. And these verses describe this walk for us that we've already read. It's a walk in love, verse 2 says. It's a walk that lives like Christ lived. Christ's love is described in verse 2. He loved us, gave himself for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God for us, as a sweet-smelling aroma. Our sin separates from God. God can't stand to be around sin. There's no sin in heaven whatsoever. There's no sin. There's never been any sin in God's presence. But yet, we're filled with it. And so God sent his son out of love to come and to take our place and to take our sin away from us so that we could step into God's presence and we could walk with him. That's what Christ's love is all about. It's about him giving himself for us, sacrificing himself for us. He didn't need to do it. And there were parts of it that he didn't want to do. But he knew that we needed it. And he loved us enough to sacrifice himself. That's what true love is. It is sacrificing yourself for the needs of someone else. 
And this is Christ's love. This is godly love that gets you on the pathway to become everything that God wants you to be in the future. But the world's love is just the opposite. Verse 3 shows us the world's love. It's a counterfeit love. It involves fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. This is love that the person, in a self-centered way, decides how they're going to love, and they decide themselves who or what they're going to love. That's fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. It's a self-centered love. This is the world's kind of love. And we must not walk that way if we're going to know God's will for our personal lives, for our families, for our homes. We've got to say, no, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I have, been, I have been saved by Christ. He has covered my sins. He has given me new life that lasts forever. So I now will, out of devotion to him for the life he's given me, I will now love him. And I will sacrifice and I will give myself to God and to others as God leads me to do that. This is how you walk in love. And the marks of this walk, as we continue to look at these verses, is that it builds other people up, not tear them down. Those who only walk with this counterfeit love that the world gives, they're the ones who tear down people and uh, the fabric of society, as verse 4 shows us. Filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, that's what degrades us. That's what degrades society. And it comes from a, a worldly, self-centered way of looking at things. But God's way is through building up one another. There's the giving of thanks, verse 4 talks about. And a life that walks with God and walks in love is always going to be looking to build everybody else up. And to make them feel appreciated. Make them feel better because you have been in their presence. And finally, this, this walk of of love with the Lord is one that bears the marks of life change. This is why he says in verse 5 that you know that no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous man who is not daughter has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. If there's a person that's never been changed and the only kind of love that they know is this counterfeit love that's self-centered. It's all about them. It's all about doing it their way, how they want to do it. Doesn't matter what everybody else needs and thinks. That person, verse 5 says, has never come to know the love of God. And it's a word of warning. That if your life has not changed, then you need to look to the one who can change you. Because you need him. You need his blessing. You need his love in your life. So he says that no one deceive you with empty words. There's no other way to live than this. You go down a a pathway other than this, it ends in death and destruction. It ends in emptiness. Don't let anybody deceive you. You must make this decision, graduates. You must make this decision right now that you're going to walk with God the rest of your life. And that begins with you giving your life to Christ. Let him be your Lord and Savior. Invite him in and then follow in his footsteps all of your days. And he'll lead you. He'll lead you to his blessing. Step number two is, and we'll go a little quicker with these, is you turn on the light. This is verses 8 through 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. 
For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So finding out God's will is, is not as easy as reading that PowerPoint slide. That's not the way it's going to be. It's more like trying to put together a puzzle that has a lot of unknown pieces to you in the dark. That's what it's like. And so that's why the second step is you turn on the light. You come into a dark room and you got something to do or you need to find something, what's the first thing you do? You look for the light switch, right? Because it's much easier to work in that environment. And that's what these verses are talking about. Is that you need to turn on the light in your life. Let Christ turn on the light. And these verses tell us how he does it. He does it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, verse 9 says, is the one who produces everything that's good, everything that's right, everything that's true in our lives. So graduates, as you step on the college campus, here's a prayer you need to pray every single morning. You need to pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Turn on the light in my mind, in my heart today, because I guarantee you, you're going to be in the middle of a whole lot of darkness. It doesn't matter what college campus you're on, the darkness will be represented somewhere, even if you're on a Christian campus. And so you need to turn on the light, students. You need to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. The Holy Spirit is the one who's inspired all these words, so you turn on the light by opening the Bible, reading it and finding out what he says, and then applying that to your life, and then listening to your heart as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and guides you in your decisions you have to make. Number one is you take a walk with God. Number two, you turn on the light. And number three is you stay away from the darkness. Verses 11 through 14. Verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep, Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It doesn't matter what college campus you find yourself in. It doesn't matter what context of life you find yourself in. There is going to be darkness that you're confronted with. And I learned that firsthand when I left this church in 1986, and I went to Central Baptist College. Great Christian school. But there were some students on that campus that had not given their life to Christ. And there were some students that were walking in darkness. I found that out pretty quick. And I found out there was still some darkness that came to my heart. Even though I was saved and I was surrendered and I was wanting to do the Lord's will, the flesh still is there. And you get out and you have a little freedom, then you can really be tempted. So students, hear God's word this morning. You need to stay away from the darkness. It will ruin your life. It will ruin your mind. It will ruin your future. It will ruin you. But Christ will give you light if you will listen to him. But it is Satan who is in the world who blinds hearts, the Bible says. The Bible says he blinds the heart of unbelievers. So if we're believers, we cannot be blinded by Satan, but here's what happens. Here's what happens. Satan has all his blindfolds out there in the world, and they're doing the number on the unbelievers. If you don't walk in the light, if you don't walk with Christ, 
you're going to be out there and you're going to pick up those blindfolds and you're going to put them on yourself. And you're going to blind yourself through your own choices if you do not stay out of the darkness. I think this is the picture that we find here. Verse 14 says there are some who know Christ who are asleep. They got their eyes closed. They're blinders over their eyes. And they did that. And so we must stay away from the darkness if we're ever going to get to the point where the light shows us and the Lord shows us what his will is for us. Now you say, Brother Mike, that all sounds great and good. That sounds like a great person. You do all these things. But what about knowing specific things, what God wants me to do next Tuesday when I have that decision to make? Well, the next two steps get us to that point. Okay? Verse 15 and 16 tells us something specific to do next, and this relates to God's general will, and that is you need to sign up to be a wise person. Verse 15 and 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So this fourth step, very important, and that is that you sign up to be a wise person. You decide that you're going to have a careful walk. You're going to do all these other things that chapter 5 talks about. And then you're going to begin to give yourself over and let the Lord lead you into his wisdom. And his wisdom generally is this. Verse 17, that you become a person who is a redeeming influence every single day of your life, transforming evil into good. That's what he wants you to do on your college campus, students. That's what he wants you to do, young adults, in your home, in your workplace. That's what he wants you to do, Christian, that are here this morning out in, in your world that you live in. He wants us every single day, this is God's general will, he wants us to be redeeming influences, transforming evil into good every single day through everything that we do. That's his general will. And that gets us to some specifics that he's going to reveal to us now that we become the person that he wants us to be. And this leads us to the last step, and that is you need to check the windows of life. Okay, write that down, and then I'll explain it. There's a little bit to unpack here in verse 17. Check the windows of life. The word understand in verse 17 actually means to bring together various parts so you can understand the whole. When you look up that word and look up the original meaning, that's what it means. So it's, it's a word that in our language can mean one thing. You know, understand, you get some knowledge. But in the original, it was much more rich than that. It, it meant you actually survey uh, uh, the field in front of you and the landscape in front of you and, you, and you take all these various parts that God has put before you and you bring them together to a conclusion. And that's how you understand God's specific will for you in any personal decision, in any life direction. And I promise you this works. There are actually four different windows of life that Scripture talks about. That if you'll look through, it will point you in a certain direction. It was each one of these four that I consulted whenever I was faced with a decision of whether or not I should come and be your pastor or not. And it is these four windows that I look through 
and it gave me clear direction to come here, and I think now in hindsight, I think it was the right decision. Not because I'm so great, because God obviously is, is doing something. He's doing something in my life, he's doing something in your life, and I think we made the right choice. But the only way to know is that you consult these four windows of life, windows of insight that God gives us. Let me give you those and then you'll have the message. Number one, first window of insight is the window of the Spirit. You ask yourself, what is God saying to me through the Scriptures? <clears throat> when Jesus was confronted with personal decisions, he quoted Scripture. He, he received direction from Scripture. And if he needed that, you and I need that. <clears throat> and so you need to ask this question, number one, does the Bible say anything about the decision that I'm facing or the direction that I'm trying to figure out? Does the Bible say anything about it? If it does, find out what it says and then take that into account. The second window is the window of the eyes. And this question is, what is God showing me through circumstances? The Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that the Apostle Paul was on his second missionary journey and he was trying to decide which direction to go to preach the gospel. He went to Asia, but the Bible says the Spirit did not permit him to preach the gospel in Asia. He had already been there. It seemed like a good thing to do. But the Holy Spirit said, no, not here. So then he turned to Mysia and again he was not permitted to go and to preach there. Now, can you imagine being the Apostle Paul and the Lord turns him down twice to go and preach somewhere? He ends up in Troas, and the Bible says that he just stops there. When you don't know what to do, that's a pretty good thing to do. Just stop before you make a bigger mess of everything. And he stops, and that was the night that he had that dream, that Macedonia call dream, in which he slept, and God used a dream on that occasion to guide him to come over to Macedonia. He saw that man from Macedonia say, come over and help us. And when Paul woke up, he said, we concluded that this was God's circumstance to tell us to go that direction. And that was right. So God does use circumstances in your life and my life. The window of the eyes says, look out and see what God has put together in, in personal circumstances. He uses those to direct us on occasion. 1 Kings 12, 15 says the turn of events was from the Lord. Circumstances. Then the third window is the window of the mind. This is the third thing you bring together consult about personal decision. What is God revealing through wisdom? Proverbs 11, 14 says, in the multitude of counselors there is safety. So we think about what has God shared with us in godly wisdom through parents, through friends, through family, through godly people in our lives. What has he said to us? What is he saying now? If you have a big decision, that's a good thing to do is go ask somebody that you trust what they think as they prayed about it and thought about it. It's the window of the mind. What has God revealing through wisdom? The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. That means we can tap into his wisdom, and we need to consult that. And then finally, it is the window of the heart. What is God giving me a personal burden to do? Acts 13, 
is where the Bible says the Holy Spirit said to the church there that was praying to separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to. And so I don't think they heard an audible voice coming out of the sound system, hey, Paul and Barnabas, there they go. I don't think they heard that. But as they were quietly praying and fasting like the Bible says they were doing, their hearts were all unified. The heart received the burden from the Holy Spirit that this is what they were to do. If they were to set aside Paul and Barnabas, they were to send them out, they were to stay behind and support them, and they were to take the gospel <clears throat> to, to areas beyond where it had gone up to that point. And that was the first time the gospel went out in missionary work in the New Testament. They got the message, they were right, but they only received it as they understood what God was saying to their hearts. So do you have a decision to make? Do you have a personal decision to take? Here's how you arrive at it. First, you're you're the person God wants you to be. You're walking with him. You're filled with his light. You're away from the darkness. You're a redeeming person. And if you're that, and you're asking for God's direction, and he'll use all these different windows to make it very clear this is the way you need to go. Here's the great thing with God. He's got a reverse on his steering wheel. If you go and you kind of mess up the first time, he's so good to allow us to turn around and to do it over, he's not trying to, to put you in a ditch. He's not trying to make it too hard for you. He wants you to find his will. And he'll be patient. And he'll be understanding. And he'll get you to where you need to go. There's a story that says that Albert Einstein <clears throat> had given a lecture at Princeton, and he was on a train riding back to his hometown and uh, the young conductor came to his seat and was taking tickets and Dr. Einstein fumbled around, he couldn't find the ticket and he said, Dr. Einstein, we know who you are, don't worry about it, we know you bought a ticket, it's fine. And the conductor went on, he came, the conductor came back only to find Dr. Einstein on his hands and his feet, looking under the seat for his ticket. And again, the young man said, Dr. Einstein, we know who you are. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And he stood up and he said, young man, I know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <clears throat> God has a ticket. He's got instructions for every one of us. And if we will look for them, according to God's word, we'll find them. And when you find where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, there's nothing better. Life is, is good. Life's not perfect. We're not talking about getting to a place where you don't have any problems anymore. But you have God's power and his blessing on your life, and there's nothing better. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.